0: This morning we talked a little bit about a subject of does grace give us a license to sin? Well, grace gives us a license to serve because you have permission from the Lord. Granted, it is your right as a believer to go into all the world and preach the gospel because you have the highest authority in all the world who gave it to you. All power is given unto him. All power. So he has the right to tell us what we can and cannot do. And that's what he said do. And he says in doing so, you're going to be scared to death, fearful at times in Matthew chapter 10. And you might even be persecuted or even put to death. You say, well, I don't want to die. Well, none of us really do. I mean, we're not trying to, you know, kill myself. You know, if you want to, you know, commit suicide, just go to. Egypt and go down on the street in Cairo and just start preaching Christ and it won't be long before you'll be home. But I wanted to talk to you about something else because I want you to see it that a lot of times people have a little problem with what we call saving faith. You know you got faith but then you got to have saving faith. And what is saving faith? Well the the word faith and sometimes as the word, you know, as a verb or as a noun, and um, "pistuo" and pistis is two different words, but one is just a verb, one is a noun, but they both mean the same thing, and it's really just talking about to believe. It's talking about having confidence. It means putting your trust in. Now, some want to take and add to the word faith and make faith a pregnant word. It means that faith produces fruit I Came up with that. I just thought I'd throw that out there But anyway, they make faith a pregnant word that something has to come from it And that has to be the fruit and if there is no fruit, then there is no real faith so it's not just a idea of knowledge that you know something and then you can have confidence and so you give a mental assent to it that it is true but it goes a step further and this is where you get into lordship salvation. They give another meaning to the word faith. Instead of it just meaning, confidence, trust in. And so therefore in the New Testament, Pistuo is mentioned about 255 times. And pistis, which is a, another word, but it's translated the same, but it's mentioned about 245 times in the New Testament. So you have this word used over and over and over again, and you and I want to know, well, what is real, genuine, saving faith? Well, it's not the size of your faith. It's not whether you got a lot of faith or a little faith. It's the object of the faith, and what are you trusting Him for? What do you believe about what He says? And you can believe that Jesus Christ was prophesied to come into the world. But that does not save you. That's not saving faith. And you can believe that um, he was, yes, born of a virgin, and, um, but that's not saving faith. And, and you can believe that he died on the cross, and, but that's not saving faith, because many religions believe that. Even to the point that he died and came back from the dead. But that is not saving faith. That's faith in the fact. And it's historical, and it's true, and it's real, and it's genuine. But, you see, you have to have a particular thing concerning saving faith or what faith can save you for. And so you can even believe that Jesus is coming back again. But that doesn't save your soul. You see, you must believe that when Christ died and was buried and rose again and paid for your sins, and you have the confidence that what he did was for you. And that what he said was that you could have eternal life if you believed him. So it is the confidence that you have. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence. It means that when you have this proof of what God's word says and you believe it, that's faith. Faith in what God says. And so we are told in God's word to trust him as our savior. And we believe the message and so we're saved by faith. In Christ, because of what he's done and what he said. So that is saving faith. Faith that you put in Christ that will save your soul. Now you can trust your wife to take you to heaven. But she can't save your soul. You might trust her, but it won't work. Uh, You can trust that angel can fly without wings. I mean, I would like to see that. But just because you believe he can do it doesn't mean he can do it. So when you're trusting Christ to save you, it means you're trusting him and depending upon him to save you and take you to heaven whenever you die. So you see, faith has got to be in the right object. And the object is a person that can fulfill what he promised. So you need to have the confidence in God's word. Now take your Bible, look in the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke and chapter Eight. Luke chapter 8 Luke chapter 8 and I want you to look there in verse 13 is it possible for believers to lose their faith to go astray some people say no you can't because lordship salvation teaches that if you're really saved you will perform and if you don't then it's a sign you did not have saving faith because of their pregnant idea that there has to be more to the word faith than just believe, just to trust. They believe also that there has to be the fruit of your faith or you're not really saved and what you had was not saving faith. So just to show you this, look there in Luke in chapter 8, and look in verse 13. It says in verse 13, They on the rock are they which when they heard received the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believed. So it is possible for a believer to believe for a while. You see, if you ever have trusted Christ as your Savior, you are always saved. Even though later on you did not take root, you did not grow strong, And you can even get to where you no longer believe. But it did not annul what God promised. And that was eternal life. That He would save you. Your salvation is in His hands and not yours. So is it possible for a believer to believe for a while? And then he says, and in time of temptation, fall away. So therefore, the Word of God does teach us. And if we had the time to deal with this whole subject you'll see that this portion of Scripture, this verse, is referring to those who do believe. So, yes, you can believe, and you can believe for a while. Take your Bible, look in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew and chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, and look now in verse 22. Verse 22. Well, let's just look in verse 21 because it's, it's similar to the verse that we read over there in the book of Luke. But verse 21, yet hath he not root in himself, but endureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by, he is offended. Why? Because he doesn't have deep roots in the word of God. Have you ever seen Christians who are easily offended? And they don't live and act and talk and walk like a mature child of God. And they overreact and overexplode because they're they're short-fused instead of long-fused or long-suffering. Now look at verse 22. He also that receiveth seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world. And the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. So can a Christian become unfruitful in his life? Yes. Just because Jose went out Friday night and they talked to some people and they had some people trust Christ as their Savior does not mean that they will go next Friday or the next Friday or the next Friday because, well, things can happen and they get to where they don't care anymore. And they don't do it anymore. It doesn't annul what was done. But so much more could be done. So you always want to keep growing in the Lord. Always keep doing what's right. Whatever's right, just keep doing it. Uh, I remember when uh, Ray used to come out all the way out to Colorado and he'd look at it. I said, well, Ray, how do you think we're doing? Because almost all the alumni want to know, well, what does Ray think? What does Ray think? And he'd say, just keep doing what you're doing. You know, you wanted them to brag, you know, Really puff you up and say, what a great, just keep doing like you're doing. Okay. You know, I wanted this glowing report. You know, you're doing such a wonderful job, you know. Yeah, he wouldn't. There was a time when he lined us all up, and I even put it on the website uh, of one of the pictures of, of us alumni up there. And all those pictures that I had of different ranch directors up there, uh, that wasn't all of them. There's a lot of guys that were standing up there. And he said, these are the greatest U. French directors in the world. Hmm. And man, I tell you, he made us feel like a million dollars. We're the the greatest in the world. But we loved it. And you know what that made us want to do? Do more. Do more. Do more. We can do this. And so, but there comes a time in your life when you just kind of maybe back off. You're not as faithful as you used to be. So you're always looking at these things, but understand, if you understand what saving faith is, saving faith is when you put your faith in Christ to save you from hell and take you to heaven. That's the confidence in what he said and did. Now, what we're talking about now is not that. Nothing else can ever affect your saving faith when you got saved. It's a deal. It's over and done with. And nothing can ever change that. But now, as a child of God, does all of God's children equally have the same confidence in the Lord as far as their purpose in life, God's provision for them in life? Or do some Christians have joy and some Christians are in misery? And some people, God's children, don't have all that assurance. And so they worry about everything. And a lot of Christians do not cast all their cares upon the Lord. Some do, some don't, some waver, and some are double-minded. So we know that that is taught in the Word of God. Now take your Bible and look in John chapter 8, the Gospel of John, chapter 8, and verse 31. Jesus makes a very interesting statement here. And he makes a statement here in verse 30, and he spake these words, many believed on him. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Now, when we see those words, believed on him, well, if this doesn't mean they got saved, then how would you know any place where this is found they got saved? So we believe that they believed, and so, therefore, if they believe, they're supposed to be saved. That's all we did. But look what else he says in verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. If ye continue in my words, then I know you've got real, genuine, saving faith. Is that what it said? It didn't say that. If you continue in my words, then those that believe are what? Disciples. You see, you can be saved and not be a disciple. And you can be a disciple and not be saved. But if you are saved, it is the will of God that you become a disciple. Learn of him. Abide in him. Walk in him. And it means to be a follower, a learner of Christ. And he says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Because there's a lot of sin in this old world. You have an old sinful nature. And the only thing that helps you to stay free from the snares of the devil and the traps of your own sinful nature is abiding in the truth and walking according to truth. Now, so... According to this verse, if ye continue in my word means that it's possible not to continue in his word. So it means you can be saved because they believed. Now he's telling those that did believe, if you continue in my word, so then it's possible not to continue in his word, not to serve the Lord. But is that what God wants you to do? Yes, that's the will of God. So God does want you to. Uh, Take your Bible and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 9. 1 Corinthians and chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, there's an interesting verse where the Apostle Paul had talked about the gospel and how it was committed to him and how that he wanted to, to preach the gospel and make it without charge and he'd become all things, all men, that he might by all means get some to trust the Lord. And to the Jew, he became as a Jew. To the Gentile, as a Gentile. To those that are under the law, those without the law, that he might get more to trust the Lord. And he says, we're all in a race. And if we're all in a race, we're going to run. And we're going to run, you ought to run to win. And a man who wants to win, strife for the mastery, has to be tempered, self control disciplined in every area of his life. Because otherwise, it's kind of like shadow boxing. You know, there's nobody there. You just beat the air. And Paul says, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to go through, like, pretending. You see, there's a lot of God's children that pretend. They pretend that they're right with God. They pretend that they're doing everything they should. Probably even pretend that they give like they're supposed to, but they don't. They pretend like they pray, but they don't really pray like they should. And they don't witness, but they carry their tracks, but they never leave them anywhere. Now, I know I'm not talking about anybody here. Did you know that we have given out over 25,000 tracks in the last six months from here? I think it's what Mike said, we went about something like that, 25,000 tracks. That's a lot of tracks that we've sold and so forth, and they go everywhere. But here in 1 Corinthians in chapter 9, I want you to see that verse. In verse 27, look in verse 27. Is it possible that a child of God can be disqualified for the Lord's work? Disqualified. Set aside, not used. It means you're not fit for service. Now you're going to heaven because of what Christ did for you, but when it comes to serving the Lord, you may not be qualified to do certain things that God wants you to do. Now you can prepare yourself, but there's a battle going on. There's a war going on, and you may not be disciplined in certain areas of your life, and God just simply says, you're not ready yet. You got to wait for a little while. You're not ready yet. God has always given us time To grow. And not all Christians grow at the same thing. God knows what pressure you can take. He knows how much pressure it would take to destroy you. So God in his wisdom says, I'm not going to allow you to be tempted, above that you're able. But he says, I will always give you a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Because why? God is faithful. So he says in 1 Corinthians in chapter 9, verse 27, But I keep under my body, means I bring my body into subjection lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway or set aside, disqualified, because I did not run the race professionally as a mature Christian ought to run, because I didn't obey the rules, because I stepped outside the boundaries. Have you ever seen a golfer? He gets ready to hit the ball, and if he moves it, He has to take a two-stroke penalty. Sometimes the guy hits the ball. It's out there. It's going to the right field. Uh, It's out of bounds. Sometimes Christians go out of bounds. You see, there is the will of God. And there's a lot of freedom within those boundaries. But some Christians, sometimes they want to expand the boundaries. And God says, no. And we want to see what we're missing out on. Just a little sin won't hurt. And if I don't like it, I'll come back in real quick. You ever heard of this illustration about bear rabbit, tar baby? Get stuck, get stuck, get stuck. That's what sin does to you. It traps you, lies, deceives you. And you think, well, there's nothing to it. No, there is a trap that's laid for you. So he makes this statement, I myself should be a castaway, set apart. So the Bible says that, yes, you can. No, Christ the Savior, and even though Paul says, I will do all these things that I might win some, and at the same time, he knows he has to be disciplined in his own life, or God will set him aside, because you see, there's some areas in your life that you don't take care of, and he said, I don't want to be just a shadow boxer, I don't want to go through the motions and then not be real and genuine, so that's why it's so important. Uh, look there in the book of 1 Timothy in chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy and chapter 1. And If you will, look there in verse 5. This is written to a young preacher boy named Timothy. And he's given him some warnings about people that get into genealogy and all that kind of stuff, or claiming that they know the law when they don't know the law. And so he says in verse 5, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart, out of a good conscience, and a faith unfeigned. That means that your faith is real and it's sincere. So that whenever you, as a child of God, if you're living the way God wants you to live, then the end result of obeying the Lord is going to be real, genuine love. And it's going to be a good conscience and faith that is pure and clean and right. Because, you see, it means without ulterior motives. God's always examining our hearts of why we do what we do and the way we do things. So God, yes, He wants the best for it, but He says there in the next verse, verse 6, from which some, having swerved, have and you ought to like, turned aside, turned aside. Who? God's children can turn aside and not do the things they're supposed to do. They're losing their confidence in what God says, and they're turning to things like trying to keep the law. And He says, if you think that you can manufacture the fruit of the Spirit by keeping the law He says then you don't get it because you see the end of the law for righteousness is Christ. Well the end result of studying and serving the Lord and obeying his command is is love. And so this love should be pure and clean and sincere. It should be real. This is what Paul was talking about over there in 1 Corinthians in chapter 9 and verse 27. So, yes, we are supposed to have this kind of faith. But it doesn't mean every one of God's children have this kind of faith and are walking with the Lord. So, even though you right now may be walking with the Lord, you could very easily change your mind tomorrow and not walk with the Lord anymore. But it does not affect your faith that you had in Christ for salvation. That can never be altered after you have been saved. So understand that. So important. Also look there while we're right here. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. He's told Timothy that he should meditate in the word of God. Study to show himself proved unto God. And he says, if you continue in my word and do what I've told you to do, you will not only save yourself, but you'll save those who hear you. And that's in verse 16. But here in verse 1 he says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter time some, some, shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devil. Now he didn't say that now they're going to hell. Now they've lost their salvation. No. But some of God's children will depart from the faith. They'll no longer believe. Sound doctrine. That's why you have over and over again in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, about sound words and sound doctrine. So he makes a statement here in these verses, something very simple, when he says, depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devil, no longer teaching and believing sound words. And so this is why this whole book is written to warn Timothy that there's these wolves are going to come in and they're going to sway people and change people and their faith will be overthrown, but it not their salvation cannot be overthrown because once you trust Christ, he gives you eternal life. That is no longer an issue. We're talking about the time that God's given you and I to live. So. Look there in chapter 6 and verse 9. Chapter 6 verse 9. Once again, realizing that there's some of God's children, they want to go to church and hear the preacher teach. And have you ever seen somebody say, oh, 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 right there, right there, right there, right there. Oh, scratch it, scratch it, scratch it. Oh, 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 that feels good. A little bit, oh, oh, that feels good. Now, some people go to church and they want the preacher to scratch an itch. Make them feel good. And they don't want to change anything, do anything. They just want you to scratch and tickle their ears. And that's why you have to be very, very careful. Now, here in these scriptures, he talks over and over again about the doctrine, the doctrine all the way down through. But look down in verse 10. Look at verse 9 first. But they that will be rich fall into temptation. See, God says, as a Christian, you can desire to be rich. True? I've not seen too many people, you know what, my my desire, I just want to be poor. I just want to see how poor I can be. Know anybody like that? That's my golden life, just to be as poor as I can be. Well, you ought to be a success by now. But most people don't want to see how rich they can be. But he makes this statement will fall into temptation. So can a Christian fall into temptation? And a snare, can a Christian be caught in a snare? Evidently, yes. And into many foolish and hurtful lusts, can a Christian have all this happen to them? Evidently. Which drown men in destruction and perdition. Is this possible to happen? Evidently. So you see, it is possible for a child of God To lose his confidence in sound words and sound doctrines. And when it does happen, you will not have a sound life. Because your life is going to be lived according to the truth that you know and believe and have confidence in. And so the devil is always working trying to get you and I not to have confidence in what God says. Because, you see, the only way he can get you to live in fear is to get you not to believe that God really cares and really loves and so he cast doubts into your mind. So, verse 10 again. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, it doesn't say money is the root of all evil. Just the love of it. Which, while some coveted after. Now, we're not talking about lost people here. Now, it does happen with lost people. But he's referring here to believers. Some coveted after. They have, and you on the line these words, erred from the faith. They've erred from the faith. So, is it possible for God's children to err from the faith? Yes. Now, the crowd, they're always telling you, well, that's a sign you weren't really saved. No. It's a sign you're walking in the flesh. It's a sign that you're carnal. It's a sign you still got an old sinful nature. It could be a sign that if you err from the faith, it could be a sign you err from the faith. If it says you could fall into temptation, it could mean you fell into temptation. Maybe it means just what it says. And so, it's a warning. And it says, they're pierced themselves through with many sorrows. We're talking about Christians. Believers. That do this to themselves. And it doesn't have to, why? Because That's why he says in the book of Hebrews in chapter 10 and verse 35, cast not away therefore your confidence. Confidence is your faith. Cast not away your confidence which hath great recompense of reward. See, God's going to reward you when you get to heaven because of the work you did, but the work you did is because of the confidence that you have. So don't cast away that confidence because it affects your decisions of life. And it'll help you if you'll seek that and seek to be wise. Look there in chapter 6 and verse 20. Look at verse 20. 20 and 21. Where it says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Because it's possible not to keep it. Avoiding profane and vain babblings, Which means that you may not avoid it. And oppositions of science falsely so called. Which some... Now, you notice over and over again, he talks about some, some, some. See, not everybody falls for the same reason. See, Satan doesn't care how he traps you as long as he traps you. He may get some this way and some another way and some another way. Well, I didn't fall the way they did. No, he just got you another way. But he does it in a deceptive way, and a lot of times you don't even know what's happened. So, in verse 21... Which some, professing, have, and here's those words again, erred concerning the faith. They're no longer believing like they used to believe. They're no longer living like they should believe. And that's why you have, I'm saying, grace be with thee. Timothy, you got a job on your hands. That little church you have, these are the problems you got to deal with in people's lives. How would you like to have a flock like that? Man, I'm glad I don't. I'm glad, so glad that all I've got is good, spiritual-minded, mature Christians who love the Lord and walk godly every day of their life. Makes my job so much easier. I don't have any problems to solve. <laughs> Man, am I fortunate. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, you, you agree with that. I don't know. All right, we'll move right along. 1 Timothy chapter 4. will Won't you see this. 1 Timothy chapter 4, look in verse 3. Verse 3, where it says, Forbidding to marry, commanded to abstain from meat, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving to them which believe and know the truth. Which believe and know the truth. See, if you don't stay strong in the Lord you'll no longer believe the truth. You will change. You stop going to church because I've already done paid my dues. i learned enough. I've known the Bible. I mean, i got years and years behind me. Therefore, I can just coast a while. I'm just going to coast from here on in. Did you realize you're not going to coast? It's just like flying an airplane. You stop, you drop. You stop, you drop. You're going downhill because the number one thing that you just did was question the wisdom of God about why you need to go. You're smarter than God. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to pray. I don't need to witness. I don't need to. Well, isn't that amazing? You are sitting in judgment on God. God says you do. You say you don't. Somebody's wrong. I wonder who it is. Well, 1 Timothy chapter 5, while you're right there, look in verse 8. Chapter 5, verse 8. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith. This is talking to believers. He hath denied the faith. See, not all of God's children obey God's will. It is the will of God that they do, but they don't always do that. This is why in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, God chastens His children. Well, He wouldn't have to chasten you if you did everything right. If Lordship salvation was true and you were really saved and you're automatically going to serve the Lord, well, why would God have to ever chasten a child of God? I mean, would you, God spank you for being obedient? Evidently, He spanks you for being disobedient so it means that God's children can disobey and they can go astray and they can deny the faith as the word of God says here take your Bible also and look there in the book of 2nd Timothy chapter 2 just turn to your right a couple pages 2nd Timothy chapter 2 and look in verse 13 we know according to the word of God we're to be strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that there are several things mentioned down through chapter 2 that lets us know as a Christian, we should not become entangled with the affairs of this life that we may please him who hath called us to be a soldier. And also he references uh, as a person who wrestles and a farmer and so on. And then he says there in verse 7, consider what I say. And the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Now, wouldn't it be great if we could understand all the things that God wants us to understand? But he says on here in verse 12, if we suffer, if we suffer, and chances are we are going to. In this world, you will suffer. That's why he says the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be. But while we're here. We suffer by the very fact that we live in this world, in these bodies, with the problems we have. It's called a time of suffering. How are you doing? And it would be so easy if God would just lock up the devil, take away my sinful nature, and make you nice like me. Life would be so much easier. But he doesn't do that. He said, I just want to give you the strength and the grace that you need. And I want your faith to be strong enough that it will carry you through. So he says there in verse 12, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. But now he can't deny you salvation. He can deny you the usefulness of your life, the blessings of life. He can deny you joy and peace. And he might even deny you the reward you could have had if you would deserved him. But salvation is not in this context. So then he says in verse 13, If we believe not, yet he himself abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. See, he has given his word, and he means what he says, and he has to keep his word. That's why he makes the statement in verse 19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. My salvation is not based upon me knowing God. It's based upon God knowing me, and he won't forget me. And so, yes, I trusted Christ 52 years ago. Never have to do it again. Because when I trusted him, I trusted him to save me. And I could have trusted you, and I could have had reason to question and doubt what I'd make it. And if a person trusts their own good works to get them to heaven, they have reason to question and doubt because um, they may not perform. And they won't. But if I trust Him, Him being God, and He cannot lie, He gives me eternal life, I'm His child forever. As a child of God, God wants me to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so that we'll become strong in our faith, strong in confidence. That's what makes you bold. And so... The Word of God is given, it is sure, and um, it's a great thing. So all the scripture I want you to look at, just very quickly, 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 12, 1 Timothy chapter 5, look there in verse 12, a couple verses mentioned here, in verse 12 he says, having damnation, because they have cast off their, and you ought to underline these two words, first, faith. Now, when you read the book of Revelation in chapter 2 in the church at Ephesus, he says, uh, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. You're doing all the things, but you're not doing it because you love me. See, it's so interesting that God is concerned about the motive, why we do what we do. But the reason we do what we do is because of what we believe. And when you lose your faith in what God says... What do you have? Nothing left. There's nothing that moves you, that motivates you. You see, faith is the power that you need to get things done. And you need that confidence in the Lord. So it's so important. Look in verse 13. And with all they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies speaking things which they ought not. You say, well, Who's that talking about? No, women. But anyway, verse 14, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, boss the husband, oh no, that wasn't in there, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. For some, some, not everybody, some are already turned aside unto Satan. You mean that there's a possibility that God's people can live like the devil? It's right there, isn't it? Some of God's people, not all of them, turned aside unto Satan and live like the devil. So now that you and I have known Christ as our Savior, we have to be careful that we don't let something cause us to lose our confidence in God's word, in the Lord himself, in our faithfulness of why we do what we do. Because remember, the, your adversary, the devil, this little guy we just mentioned here. Is after you and he is seeking whom he may devour see all these people that we're talking about were devoured Satan got to eat them up gobbled them up he gobbled up some with money and somebody with something else and other was false doctrines whatever it takes and he doesn't quit therefore as the scripture says cast not away your confidence which hath great recompense of reward Always realizing that what God said, it is true. Keep believing it. And if you'll continue in his word, then are you my disciples indeed. So you can serve the Lord, be a good disciple, or a bad one. I made up my mind years ago what I'm going to do. And I hope that some of my reasoning will help you in your reasoning. You've got to think it through. And if you understand it, it can make you strong. Look up here. This hand represents you and me, and the wallet represents sin. We all have sin upon us. And the Bible says since we've all sinned, we're all condemned because the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God in hell. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven, and heaven is a perfect place. And God says that, We have all sinned, and therefore we can't get in because of sin. We have to be perfect to go to heaven, and no one's perfect. God says you cannot save yourself, so you don't trust in yourself. That would be trusting in vain. You don't trust anybody else, because that would be trusting in vain. So how can I be saved? And that is one way. This hand represents Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. He came into the world. Because he loves us. Hates our sin because it separates us from him. So Jesus Christ who had no sin did not have to die. So he took all the sin of all the world. Paid it on the cross. Came back from the dead. And said that if we would believe that he did it for us. He would put this payment to our account. And we get to go to heaven on what he did for us. See your faith must be in Christ and what he did. You have confidence in that. You have to have the knowledge. And faith cometh by Hearing and hearing by the word of God so you have to hear it you have to understand it and when you understand it You have to consent in your mind. This is truth. When you believe that this is true and you rely upon it That's the confidence then if you believe that you can acclaim What he promised the free gift of everlasting life and that I would be his child and that I would go to heaven whenever I die that is what we would call saving faith I never used the words, I just say have faith in it and believe it. But it is an issue out there. People have made it an issue because they say saving faith, real saving faith, must produce the fruit. But as we've seen from these scriptures, it doesn't always produce the fruit. You can be saved and totally turn against everything you know. But it doesn't affect your salvation. But does it affect the quality of your life? And will it affect the rewards in heaven? Yes. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I urge you to do so. Or if you're watching by internet, put your faith only in Christ. Faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone. You cannot earn it, you can't work for it, you cannot buy it. It is the free gift. And right now in the quietness of this moment, if you have never done so, would you put your faith in Jesus Christ and trust Him and Him alone as your only hope of going to heaven? God says, if you will, He will save you. That's what we call saving faith. Faith that will save can only be done because your faith is in Christ. If it's in your good works, that is not saving faith. That faith will not save you. It's not saving faith if you put it into baptism, because baptism cannot save you. Your faith will be in vain. But it is not in vain to trust the only true and living God as the one who sent his Son into the world to pay for your sins. And if you'll trust him, he will save you and give you eternal life as a free gift. If you're trusting Christ as your Savior tonight, and you've never done it before, but tonight you say, that made sense to me, and preach, I'd like for you to know, and I'd like for you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Anyone at all? If you're watching by internet, I pray that what I've said made sense, and you will trust Christ as your Savior. Or if you have already trusted the Lord, and you know you've drifted from the Lord, you've gone astray, and you've wasted your life, do you understand that once you trusted Him, you're still His child? That God says, if you'll confess, He'll forgive you. Admit that what you've done is wrong. What you believe is wrong. Things you thought that it's wrong. And go back to the Lord and get back into His Word and start serving Him. Father, we thank You so much for this time together. Bless each one. We're so thankful that Your Word is so clear to help us to realize these things and to have confidence. Confidence that once we're saved, we're always saved. And the same confidence that as our roots grow deep in Your Word, that we will be fruitful. We just look to You and we trust You. We believe what You have to say. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.